What am I working on? Uh, I'm working on something that'll change the world and human life as we know it. Change it a lot or just a bit? You'll have to be more specific. What do you want me to be specific here in this room with uh, half the scientific community of North America eavesdropping? Is there another way? Uh, you could come back to my lab. Welcome to Out of Theaters, the podcast that reviews the movies of yesteryear, this year. My name is Billy Culpa, and I'm here with my friend and film critic, Will Pfeiffer. Will, hello there. Billy, how you doing? I am doing great. This is normally the part of the podcast where I ask you if you have seen any good movies lately. Right? In this particular episode, I know that I saw a good movie, and I happened to see it with you, but I'm not so sure you're going to say that you saw a good movie. I did not see a good movie. Have you seen any movies lately? Last uh, week, in fact, after we recorded episodes of this very podcast, we went to a late night opening weekend showing of Todd Phillips' The Joker. And you loved it. And I wanted to like it because, you know, I love comic books. I love serious movies set in grim, decaying, major metropolitan cities. That's very specific. It is. Well, you know, <laughs> and we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, I have to say, I and I thought that, and again... Before going in, I saw the trailer. I said, this looks interesting. And I thought the movie was disappointing on virtually every single level. I, I think that you and I, over our friendship over the last decade, have probably sat together and watched, let's call it, 100 movies. Probably. You know, in the ballpark. It might be, it might be really like 50, but it, right. I don't know. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. I've never seen you not like something as much as this movie. I really didn't. And I was surprised how much I didn't like it. You laughed out loud during the murder of yes. somebody. We're going to... Well, Let's not spoil it. Okay. It's, yeah, too there's a it's murder, only been out a week and a half. There's a murder that takes place at the end that I literally could not believe I was seeing <laughs> again. And that's all I'll say. But I literally could not believe I was not only seeing this murder, but that I was seeing it portrayed in the same style I've seen it portrayed many times. So this is this is a delicate subject because I don't I really don't want to spoil it. The movie's no. like ten days old. Yeah, so it's, it's new. It's too new. Most most listeners sure. probably haven't seen I it. I don't want to give any plot points away. Uh, so let's try to frame this as in uh wh- what did you expect going in and how did it defy those expectations in a way that didn't work for you? You know, it's weird because the trailer really I sh- I I sort of got what I expected, I guess maybe just not delivered in a way I thought worked at all. I mean, I expected sort of a dark, semi-serious portrait of a man losing his mind. I, I expected a strong, um, edgy, unhinged performance. I don't mean that in a negative way, but from Joaquin Phoenix, who I think is a one of the best actors working today. And we just praised her, I think, uh, in last episode. And yeah. he stars in that in a much different performance. But I thought that would be good. And I thought, you know, the Joker, interesting to see, like, sort of what made him into the maniacal villain, Batman villain that he is. I expected all that. I just didn't think it worked. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix's performance, while certainly attention-getting, I thought didn't really fit the movie somehow i thought he it he was like it's like people kind of complain about the shining where they say jack nicholson's crazy from frame one it's not you know because in the novel he goes crazy in the shining you could tell he's bananas from you know yeah it's pretty clear from the beginning from from the scene where he's reading playgirl magazine in the lobby by himself what's that all about (laughs) you just say hey this guy's a little off he's off in a lobby but 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 (laughs) i mean and i and ironically i don't mind that movie but this one it's like he was Disturbed from the get-go, and so you could see why he's sort of the crazy joker. But also, by the same token, I don't see sort of how he made the turn into being the joker who's, like, in control of his situation. And the guy who's going to be a villain, you know, who, by the end, uh, this probably won't spoil anything, but by the end of the movie, he kind of has, you know, these followers, and he's famous and everything. And I just... Don't see where he made that the turn into being this man who is, by all accounts, f- for nine tenths of the movie, not in control of his life at all. 
and a downtrodden sort of victim and then how he became this guy you know this this hero of a dark part of society at the end of the movie it's tough to counter you without spoiling anything right I understand. so I'll, I'll back off all that I, I will say that while I think parts of the movie didn't work and th- there's parts of the movie that are just they're silly and you know most I gotta say most of the parts that didn't work for me were the parts that tied into the larger Batman the universe barge, yeah and they they do that a lot more than I thought they were going to I've a seen, lot I've seen more. it both ways like I, I, the red letter media guys didn't like anything except the parts that tied into the large universe. So whatever, right? Yeah, People, I know, I know. Different I know. strokes. Yeah, it is. It's. I just, I thought it was going to barely mention that. Like, it, I thought it would be set in Gotham and that would be it. Yeah. But it's not. There's a lot more. And the reason why I, I, I agreed with you that I didn't expect to see as much as I did is because Phoenix was so adamant that this is a one-off. He's not doing this movie more than once. Uh, so how, I mean, why go through all the trouble of setting up a universe? <laughs> I know. And I, you know, I, th- I wonder if part of it is that uh, DC Comics let... Todd Phillips sort of have this, um, you know, sort of sort of do it in his own way or do it in this way because they've kind of floundered with other DC, you know, with yeah, the, Superman the DC and movies. The and it's, it's tricky for you because you're a DC guy. You literally write for DC. Yeah, I mean, I haven't in a while, but I, I, yeah, I have. So, I've written The Joker in a couple of I'm not asking you to trash talk anything DC. No, no, no. But you can objectively say, people can objectively say, it's not working as well as their counterparts at Marvel. No, and I think they are, I have to think they're disappointed by this. I mean, you would think that if you have Superman and Batman, you have a blockbuster universe <laughs> you because those are dollars. the. I mean, compared to Iron Man, Captain America, even Spider Man, Batman and Superman are the most famous superheroes in the world. You know what's funny about that, Will? Uh, I I'm like I've said this before. I'm comic book adjacent. Mm-hmm. I like comics, but they're not really my thing. I used to collect Green Lantern as a kid. By the way, the Green Lantern movie also a disappointment. Oh man, DC that was comics. <laughs> but but to me, because now that I've grown up, I mean Iron Man came out when i was like 20 i'm 36 so 15 years ago i was like 21 i don't know they've been around my whole life i don't see a lot of difference between iron man and superman i just well i know but i agree but i think well and it is a little different now that the marvel movies but back before the first iron man came out nobody knew comic book people knew who iron man was my mom didn't absolutely that's that's my point is i i think a thing has happened where superman is is sort of Played out. I think people people know who he is, but people aren't excited to see all. him in a movie. No, there's no because Iron Man's more interesting. Well, Iron Robert Man, Downey Jr. is a better actor. I'll say this: Iron Man has been handled in a more interesting way. I think, I think any character, if you handle them in the right way, can be interesting. Okay. I mean, and this movie, and I know that a lot of people think this is what we wanted. This is the Joker. This is a serious, arty movie about the Joker. But I just think on. To me, personally, all I saw was a movie that desperately wanted to be Taxi Driver, wanted to be the king of comedy, and wanted to be sort of deep and serious, and it just wasn't. I just thought it was shallow and kind of silly. But you could see it trying in every single frame, trying so hard. If I could make two points, and I got another topic I want to transition to. Uh, If he had not come out and said... I really want to make Taxi Driver or King of Comedy. If he, because he came out on his press tour, Todd Phillips, sure. the director, and said all that. If he had, if he had just said or, or said nothing, and maybe went a little more subtle on it, would you have sort of yeah. bought it a little? Better? Because I honestly didn't see that press tour clip, but I saw a lot of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy in this movie. I mean, there's there's a couple. There's more than one scene where the Joker does a fake gun with his fingers like like travis does very travis bickle i mean i knew that you know (laughs) and plus just the way he's beaten like because that's kind of how travis is he's a lonely guy in the big city and he's kind of beaten down until he punches back and if you cast robert de niro as a talk show host in a movie like this you are echoing king of comedy i mean that's that's the point about a guy who's losing his mind and wants to be famous, and you put Robert De Niro, that is king of comedy. So my last point then would be that I did enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going on my way to say this is movie of the year. I don't think it deserves any Oscar nominations. I mean, honestly, Joaquin Phoenix is fantastic. He's I'll, great. I just don't think that performance worked. But anyway. And, and you I'm don't sorry. think it fits into the larger universe of, yeah, of what they're doing. That's fair. I, it's just you can appreciate, like, damn. like He's really compelling. It, he was, t- but uh, yeah. But, okay. Uh, I came away from this movie so much more 
excited is the wrong word, but um, engaged, excited. I wanted to go read and learn more about this and what is going on. And I wanted to read reviews in a way that I didn't for, say, Captain Marvel. Or, sure. Uh, most, I mean, even, I gotta say, even the, the newer Spider-Man, not Homecoming, but Far From Home, that's, I'm I mean, just kind of bored. It's different. And I understand that. I mean, the Marvel movies definitely have a formula. And here's the thing about the Marvel movies, I think. At their worst, and I, I haven't seen Captain Marvel, which you didn't enjoy, but at their worst, they hit like a baseline level of Of competency. They know how to hit all their right. points and the rah-rah and the twists. And this movie... I guess I'll give it credit for trying something it's, it's really certainly, different. It tries. It's that's that's I guess my point. I know that's nobody gets credit for trying, but I, I came away thinking like that's I haven't seen a movie like that since maybe The Wrestler, like a weird counter, I, weird kind of. I know what you, I mean. I love The Wrestler, love and you do wrestler. too. Yeah, I love The Wrestler a lot more than I like The Joker. Right, but it's interesting. That's all. That's all. I'm just. I'm. I'm grateful it exists. And I'll say one other thing about this movie. People who are condemning it because they think it's like praising incels. That's dumb. Or, I mean, it's dumb. That's dumb. It, this movie. It's just a movie. I, we. I. Th- you know, all these like they have cops in the theaters. When we saw it, there were security guys in what the lobby. What was that guy's name? Global security. Global security. I mean, he looked so bored. He was move along, fellas. Move he along. just wanted to go home. He told us to go to Steak blame. and Shake. He did. He told us you want to talk about it. Why don't you go to Steak and Shake? <laughs> I mean, this guy. But the thing is. You know, I didn't like this movie. I think it was a dumb movie, but I'm not going to blame it on, you know, incels and all that. There's been no troubles. All that was completely overblown. Yeah. But I, but Todd Phillips knew how to ride that wave of controversy to a big w- opening weekend. So more credit to him, I guess. So how does this fit into, uh, and <laughs> Jesus, we're, we're a bit into this. We haven't even announced. This episode is about the fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to talk about the fly. Uh, again, and really again, again, <laughs> we'll get into that later. But uh, there's one other thing I wanted to address, and that was uh, now about a week and a half old Martin Scorsese's comments. Scorsese? Scorsese, I believe. I've, so I said it right the first time. Uh, Marty's. <laughs> Marty, who directed com- both Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. His comments about how superhero films and, and really modern popular cinema these days uh, is just a carnival ride it's just a circus what do you call it a, a it's, theme park it's funny you would use that phrase because his quote was let's see um somebody asked him his thoughts on superhero movies and his quote and his quote has been sort of cut up in this yeah, this yeah, is the full quote he says i don't see them i tried you know but that's not cinema honestly the closest i can think of them as well made as they are with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances is theme parks it isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. So that was his quote. And this boy, the comic fans and movie comic movie fans, you know, what does he know? Bah, 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 bah. There's nothing quite like a, a nerd on Twitter. Oh, my God. Now, I would say as somebody who <laughs> as a nerd on Twitter, as a nerd on Twitter, I'm who, right there with you, who has written comic books, who loves the Marvel movies, who loves stuff like The Dark Knight. I love the original. Christopher Reeve Superman movies. I mean, I love a lot of, you know, theme park movies. Scorsese's, he's pretty much right. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, and it's funny because these movies literally have made billions of dollars. But some people, that's not enough. They want them to be critically praised or win Oscars right. too. You know, there was all this talk about Black Panther. Black Panther was nominated yeah, for Best not, Picture. And, and you're right to say it, it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been. I mean, Black Panther, and I'm saying this as a 52-year-old white man. Black Panther, I can see how it is an important movie. And because I think it it appeals to an audience that has been ignored by blockbuster superhero movies forever. Forever. I mean... And I think it, it it does a good job of giving those, you know, that audience a hero in their own image that can they can, you know, here's someone you can root for. And that is important. Yeah. I mean, that's very important. That doesn't make it a great movie. I mean, genre films are important because though they connect with people directly, but that doesn't make them great cinema. I mean, like this Joker movie. I think it was a shallow movie. It sort of punched all the buttons, you know. He goes on the subway, and these three yuppies who magically know all the words to send in the clowns, including (laughs) the third verse, you know, kick him, and then he shoots him, and then you're like... Including the third verse. I don't know. I can't believe they know send in the clowns, period. But but see, here's... You know, getting back to Tax Driver, when Travis... Because Travis is... There's a scene where he goes into a... 
a, uh, a like a bodega and it's being robbed and Travis shoots the guy. And it's sort of the same kind of thing where Travis now has a gun and look, he has power and this and that. It's completely different because for one, the guy is not a rich yuppie who's attacking him. He's a young African-American man. Now, he was holding a gun on the store owner, so I'm not saying he was like some innocent guy. But that adds a certain level of maybe we shouldn't root for Travis here. Then even after that, when the store owner tells Travis to leave, the guy like beats the guy's corpse with a like a stick. Yeah. And it's the whole feeling is like, eh. And see, that's a movie that's trying to find like... Yeah, maybe you shouldn't cheer on every vigilante. You know, there's there's a dark side to it too. Yeah, they. they uh, I, I don't. I, I want to avoid talking too much about the Joker. I see your point. Yeah, I don't think that spoils any. No, I mean, no, yeah. no. I mean, it's yeah. It's, it's if you've seen Taxi Driver, you, you know what they're going for. But Scorsese, I mean, he, you know, he's made movies that I would argue are cinema, both in the way they're filmed and how they try and and you know, he made Last Temptation of Christ and he made Taxi Driver and he made Raging Bull. I mean, on the other hand, he made The Departed, which I love, and which is a great movie. I don't know if it's necessarily going for any deep emotional no. connection. It's a cop thriller and a really well done one, but it's, you know, it's just a fun, exciting movie. You could make an argument, too, that Scorsese is making sort of, he's like running back his hits, like with The Irishman or whatever. Like, Well, yeah, and maybe, and I, I'm dying to see The Irishman, and I've heard it's much more subdued than, say, Goodfellas or Departed. But, you know, I don't know. And here's one more, one more thing about Scorsese is people who say, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, Martin Scorsese, besides being, you know, one of the great directors, is also one of the guys who knows more about film history than, than say, somebody like Steven Spielberg yeah. or Kubrick or any of those guys. He is famous for having a world-class collection of films in every possible format, including, like, 35 millimeter. He has released documentaries where he praises movies like westerns and gangster films and horror movies. A, a huge part of his history is restoring old films, exactly. too, right? I mean, that's like a big part so, of it. So comic book fans who say he doesn't know what he's talking about, he knows what he's talking right. about. You may disagree with him, but don't say, oh, he's just another old man who doesn't know what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. And if he doesn't like your superhero movies, I, he didn't say you couldn't like him. And apparently the box office says that just about everybody else does yeah, like it. Yeah, exactly. Them, so but works. again, and my last point is, like McDonald's, just because something is hugely popular doesn't mean it's the best. Sure. But it's hugely popular, and that's enough. I want to transition to a much happier discussion about the super positive and romantic, fulfilling... Life-affirming? Positive movie, The Fly. The Fly. So uh, let's talk a little bit about backstory about this movie. Uh, we started this podcast... Years ago, half a decade ago, yes, uh, with our friend Ben Stanley mm-hmm. and our friend, our friend, <laughs> our friend Kevin Haas, who yes. actually I almost he almost came tonight to do this like really? a three man pod, but I was kind of worried. I was like, you got to watch the movie, and he wasn't quite <laughs> yeah, willing to. You got to watch the movie. He's That's like, the bare minimum. So uh, we, the the four of us, got together and watched this movie and did a episode of Out of Theaters as a test run, a trial run. To see if we could even do a podcast. Sure. Granted, everybody has a podcast now. In five years ago, pretty much everybody had a podcast then too. (laughs) But it was a little less easy. (laughs) The gear wasn't as good. The computers weren't as good. Everything was just a little more tough. So uh, we recorded a trial episode of this. I think I might post it. I don't know. Whatever. We can run it back if you really want. But of all the older episodes, older uh, incarnations of Out of Theaters, to me, this was my favorite movie that we did. Really? Uh, maybe, maybe The Shining. Real interest. That's very interesting. But I like The Fly a lot, despite uh, my intense disgust of organs and blood and guts. I'm a big gore guy. Billy is not a big gore guy. You're going to like it. I don't want to. I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Why don't you tell us about this week's movie, The Fly? The Fly. Now, we're talking about the 1986 version directed by David Cronenberg, Canadian horror master. Um, It's loosely based. (laughs) Sorry. What? You called him a horror master, and it just made me think of like Anchorman. Horror. (laughs) You're a horror master. Horror. Two syllables. Horror master. Horror master. But anyway, um, it's loosely, like I said, it's loosely based on the original about a scientist played in this case by Jeff Goldblum, one of our favorites, who develops uh, teleportation technology. 
when he's testing it on himself, he gets in a little teleport pod. Unfortunately, a common housefly gets in with him. So when it breaks down his molecular structure and sends it across, it rebuilds him with the fly DNA encoded into his. And so then for the rest of the movie, he becomes more and more like a human fly until it really... At first, it's kind of cool, and then it's disgusting, and then it's tragic. It's like life. It is. It's very much like <laughs> life. And along the way, uh, he is accompanied by Gina Davis, who plays uh, a reporter who's covering his story. And, of course, they sort of fall in love. So um, when I said it was a romantic movie, I was not kidding. I think it is a very touching sort of love story. And Gina Davis, it's essentially also a basically three character story aside from a few others you have gina davis you have jeff goldblum and then as uh gina davis's editor and former boyfriend you have uh john getz as as statham stathis boren i know it's such a weird and we should mention jeff goldblum's name is seth brundle and he starts to refer to himself as brundlefly because being a scientist he's at first fascinated by the changes his body is going through and he's horrified. And Gina Davis is a uh, Veronica. Veronica. So there we go. Uh, it's interesting how small this movie is. How yeah. it essentially is like three sets. I mean, we see. I mean, really, if you really think about it, we see the the like the gallery at the beginning where they meet at the party, and it when it begins when they meet. I mean, it's boom. Yeah. It starts. Our uh, our introduction to this movie is a conversation between Veronica and Brundle, Seth Brundle. Uh, where he's trying to explain why he's a better scientist and a cooler scientist working on something greater than all of his other colleagues at this sort of ritzy, meet the public, meet the press sort of science party. Right. And he's right, by the way. Yeah. Well, we don't know. The other guys could be like making atom bombs or something. Who knows? Teleportation is pretty tough to beat. Fair enough. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. I'm not. Right off the bat, Jeff is quirky and uncomfortable and... But charming? Sure. Like, it's weird how charming he is. He is. I think back to... um, What's that terrible redneck movie where people... Uh, the, the, the shoot... Bruce Willis remade it recently. The shooting movie uh, from the 70s. A oh, guy with a gun. Death Wish? Death Wish. Oh, Death Wish. Uh, sorry. I, I think back to... Uh, oh, that's right. Jeff Goldblum is in Death Jeff Wish. Jeff Goldblum is like the like lead rapist. Is he like, is. is he is sadly the and lead rapist. And even as like a horrific monster in a bit part for 15 seconds, he's got this like smirk. This is what they call star power, my he's friend. very charming. You no, know, he's been acting for... It's coming you know, 40 years now and, you know... He's, he's good. He I guess, is, yeah, he deserves good. it. Uh so he takes her back to his place to charm her, uh, what he thinks is a date, what she thinks is a story. Right. And we sort of get, that's the the buildings, the beginnings of our sort of romantic comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, I was going to say affair, but that's not quite right. What's that? What are you well, you want me to get the quotes right, don't you? Quotes? No, no, no. I thought this was personal. You can't write about this. What are you talking about? I'm a journalist. Oh, no, 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 no. You knew that. Uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have shown you this. I'm very, very sorry. It's a classic meet cute. It's a, it's a like meet cute say. in a dungeon. <laughs> yes. Well, no, that's the other set is his loft where 90% of the movie takes place is in his loft, which doubles as his laboratory. And I think we have like four or five other sets. They visit a diner. Yeah. They visit the office of Particle Magazine. Yep, where Gina Davis uh, works. Uh-huh, and Stathis is her editor. Uh, we, we visit her apartment and where we, Stathis is taking a shower. <laughs> and we visit the bar where Seth eventually picks up uh, just some girl uh, in the bar. Right. And in a dream sequence, we visit an, oh, oh, a delivery room, but oh, I won't We do visit that. a delivery room and we visit the um, a hospital at one point, like an abortion hospital or whatever. Like oh, yeah. So there's, I guess there's yeah. six or seven. But, but most of it takes place with those three characters and in that loft. So, why? I actually let me. I have a broader question. Uh, I think this is a pretty tight, uh, it's very tight. effective science fiction movie. If this movie came out today, 
do you think it would be as powerful and as would we like it as much or would we think of it more of like a, oh that's a nice little movie and we would just dismiss it because i think of this as an all-time horror movie i agree i mean there were three great horror remakes around this time there was the thing there was invasion of the body snatchers also with jeff goldblum and there was this i think all three hold up beautifully this one you know it's hard to say because first of all there was nothing quite like it back then second of all the effects which are I mean, when this movie came out, all anyone was talking about was how gory it was. It's disgusting. It they, is de- deliberately disgusting. They teleport a baboon, and then on the other side of the teleportation, he's inverted. But and he's not dead. It's like he's inside out and crying, moving. Yeah, and you know, and Je- as his body breaks down and everything, Jeff Goldblum becomes more and more nasty. But nowadays, I hate you know they would CGI that whole thing, yeah. and I just think there's something about practical effects that it's hard to beat them. I think just about the only part of the movie I think, I don't like the phrase hold up, but doesn't work as well, is the voice-activated computer. It feels real, like, silly and gimmicky. I don't know. It just feels, not just of its time, because Star Wars uses little tape reel computers. Well, but the technology in Star Wars is, like, data tapes. Yeah, but this was, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess you're right it doesn't hold up, but... It, it was made in the 80s. I know, but I it mean, looks like a cardboard box that they painted. It's not a good-looking computer. I don't that's know. That's what computers looked like back then. I don't no, understand. They, they were beige. Are they, you mad when you watch you know, a black and white movie and you're like, life wasn't black and white. Now it's color. And I just think that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, listen, The only I, I once watched the colorized version of It's a Wonderful you Life. You did. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's the lowest this podcast has ever sunk. <laughs> I would strongly disagree. This podcast has sunk far more. <laughs> That's true. But anyway, what did you think of the performances? I think they're, I mean, I think um, they are very strong and they're strong enough to make the gore sort of a secondary concern. I mean, most horror movies, all you can think about is how horrifying it is. This one, you know, I keep saying it, but it really is a love story. And you buy Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis falling in love. I think they really did. They were dating. Yeah. yeah. And and you buy Stathis as this kind of interesting guy who on the one hand is a complete asshole, but on the other hand, every so often he steps up and he's just quirky enough where you don't completely hate him, even though he Gina Davis walks in on him taking a shower in her apartment. <laughs> She's like, What are you doing? He's like, I had a long day. It was a tough day. What are you doing in my apartment? Staff would be in the neighborhood. Felt a bit scummy. Day. Yeah, that's the thing. He nothing phases him. <laughs> John Getz doesn't get enough credit. He's in Social Network. He's in Zodiac. He's in a bunch of other. Oh, things. What, what's he in the Social Network? He's uh, one of the guys in the deposition. I can't remember who. Oh, okay. Maybe he's okay. Zuckerberg's lawyer. Sure. Or somebody's lawyer. That makes sense. But um, but he's great. But uh, yeah, I think the performances are really strong, and I think um, Cronenberg is a strong director, not just like a, a horror movie director. His movies always, and his movies are consistently, especially during this period, gory. I mean, Videodrome is lots of body horror. Well, what is what is video, Videodrome? Videodrome. It's like, a, like Technodrome? Like kind the, of. Like, like the Ninja Turtles? Like an aerodrome. Like a place. Okay. Like a drome. Like, you know. But anyway, but... Um, it's, you let that Ninja Turtles reference just go right by. Um, I, I appreciate it's, that. And it's going to go by. But it's about a, a TV programmer who's looking for something edgy who stumbles onto this channel called Videodrome, where it seemingly is like a live torture channel. So he brings it in. He like starts watching it and tries to get his, his edgy cable channel to pick it up. And it starts doing things to his mind and the the thing i love this is one of my all-time favorite movies but it is a it can be a rough watch and what i love about it is as things happen to his mind the movie loses its own sense of reality so you don't know like oh he's crazy you're just like why is this happening this can't happen Yeah, yeah but i mean but it's very gory in parts uh scanners is notoriously gory for the head exploding yeah. i mean cronenberg he puts it all there but his movies are never just horror movies. They always have some idea behind them, some compelling thoughts. I mean, he, it's very smart. This movie is very simple, but I would argue very a very smart movie, too. I agree. Yeah, and we're back to The Fly, you mean? Yes, yes, The Fly. I, I, the reason why I asked you, I started this conversation by asking you, if this movie was produced today, would you think what you think of it now? Uh, but maybe uh, because I watched it so recently, I kind of think it's a good analog, or, or, or it's, it's in the same vicinity as Ex Machina. Because it's like a thriller horror movie that takes place 
in a very isolated, sure, almost a dungeon, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. There is the romance part underneath it all, but something else is really happening. Uh, I, I guess I would say The Fly is better, but I, I, I don't know if I would think today it was... You know what? I honestly think today, I think they would screw it up. I mean, I yeah, think uh, yeah, if they fair. remade it, they'd want to. We can, we can go crazy with effects. And he we should literally this. fly. He should fly. He should sprout wings and fly yeah. around. And you could do all this. And you know, the, 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 the start of his transformation is when some hairs grow out of a wound on his back, mm-hmm. which I actually thought was a nice plant. Pretty early in the movie, he's like in bed with Gina and, or Veronica, and he rolls onto like a chip, like yeah. a little metal chip, and it cuts him. And he, he's not even mad. He's like, oh, great. I've been looking for that. Right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's just a stupid little cute thing that happens to them while they're like in the throes of yeah, love. Yeah, it's very. And then, I don't know, a half hour later, weird fly hairs start growing out of it. Yeah. But you don't know they're fly. It you just don't. looks like dark hairs on his back. But they're disgusting. Yeah. Like, and, and Which she has a hard time clipping them too. Clipping hair. It's like a toenail growing out of it. It's disgusting. See, I this, just was is, like, this, by the way, shows... <laughs> How hard a watch this must have been for it Billy. If you are unnerved by the little hairs growing out of his back, what are you going to do when his fingernails or jaw falls off his face? I'm going to start tweeting at you because that's what I did. It's <laughs> disgusting. When when he just loses a fingernail, man, it just like falls in his lap and his hand kind of shakes. I, I want to throw up. <laughs> oh. Oh. <sighs> that's disgusting. But see, the great thing is, is and I'm not. I mean, I don't find it disgusting. I can appreciate that it is disgusting. You know, I like that it goes this far. I don't think it would work if it didn't. And he's talking to Gina Davis, and he's showing her how he eats, and he takes out a donut because it's all about the sugar. Yeah. And he throws up Ugh. on it to because that's how flies eat. They regurgitate, break it down. I actually appreciated that because he explained. He goes, yeah. "It hurts if I don't do this." How does Brundlefly eat? Well, he found out the hard and painful way that he's very much the way a fly eats. His teeth are now useless because although he can chew up solid food, he can't digest it. Solid food hurts. So, like a fly, Brundlefly breaks down solids with a corrosive enzyme, playfully called vomit drop. He regurgitates on his food, it liquefies, and then he sucks it back up. Ready for demonstration, kids? He's a scientist, yeah. so he's oddly fascinated. At first, he thinks that he thinks the teleportation made him into some kind of a superhuman. Right. It's uh, because it purifying. Right. But sadly, he realizes that it's not. <laughs> I, I wish that uh, maybe a nitpick, but I wish that the, the there had been a fly or two in his layer. I don't know what do you call this? His lab? His lab. His, yeah, it's his home. There. He it's lives his, there. It's his loft, yeah. His downtown, like really, it's not it seems like it's not in a great neighborhood. Yeah, but now you'd pay a million dollars sure, for his loft. Sure. But in its day, there's no other cars. It seems like an abandoned warehouse. What's supposed to, I mean that's what's supposed to be believable is he's not a big wealthy No, no, no. I know, mean I guess he actually he's got, he is though. He's got some backing. Sure. Because he can build a teleportation and he can buy multiple uh, baboons. It's like this podcast. We actually have a, just a fleet of baboons. We just do. <laughs> a fleet of baboons. Is that, <laughs> that's the term for a group of baboons, right? A fleet? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's called a podcast of baboons. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> uh, so, so one thing that I would have liked you know, in his disgusting lab is just to see a fly or two. Because if you had shown that in the first 15 minutes and you just kind of go like, oh, I get it. It's the fly. There's some fly. We would all we would dismiss that right away. And then later, when the fly ends up in his teleport pod, you would go, oh, shit. Like, that makes sense because they were hanging out. They were around. The fly is only introduced, like, the minute before he jumps in. So let me get this straight. There is a movie about a man who, A, invents teleportation, B, becomes a fly, C, you know, breaks down and all these horrible things happen. But you can't believe that a fly might be in a downtown crappy loft. It just disappoints (laughs) me that the, the fly didn't get his proper arc. He should have got his own narrative. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, he didn't actually invent teleportation either. He admits that later. He says he invented a like a uh, like a clone device. Well, that's what you know. They always say that teleportation would be. You know, you could as long as you're breaking it down, you could save that and make multiple clones. It's just or you copying. Could, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you could probably store it and make several. Sure. There should, <laughs> I like the idea of just like a thousand. James T. Kirk's one. I around. think this has happened on. There definitely is an episode of Star Trek where Kirk is split into two Kirks because of a teleporter accident. And of course, one of them's evil or something. Yeah, sure, with a goatee. There's always that's right. Yeah, the goatee. <laughs> no, Kirk is the good one in that. That's what happens. They go to the parallel universe. I think that Gina Davis is 
good. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm kind of off topic here. We've this is our third go around of recording this yeah. podcast. Why is it our third go around, Billy? You mentioned the early one. Why would this be the third go around? So last week, in our hurry to get to see the Joker on time, which was we clearly a mistake to rush last, to see that movie, <laughs> we saw the last showing at ten forty-five p.m. Uh, we needed to be out of here at ten fifteen, and in my hurry, I decided instead of to record both my channel, my microphone channel, and Will's microphone channel. I said, fuck it. And I recorded myself twice. That's right. You guys almost got the all Billy episode. So the entire of... episode is me saying, Will, seen any good movies lately? And then silence. And then, ha! Sure. <laughs> ha! Yeah. It's awful. And it's... if you subscribe to our Patreon page, you can have that episode. <laughs> I'm going to delete it tonight. But So I'm trying to remember what we've discussed. You were talking about Gina discussed. Davis. Yeah. I, I had, like, she's very good in this. She's very good. Uh, I, I think she's the least interesting of the three leads. Uh, but I think I appreciate that she's strong. She's not like the housewife. Oh, the she's damsel. not a damsel. She's she's kind of kick ass. She's just it just turns out she's next to two lunatics. Right. So and they she, get they get to be crazy eccentric, and she's kind of the straight man. And I think and she has there's a great uh, little sort of plot line about her that we I kind of alluded to where she finds out that she is pregnant. Right. By Jeff Goldblum, and she is naturally more than a little worried about this and she uh demands to go get an abortion which is now not, like yeah right. like now like take me now which again you ask if the movie was made today i can't see that happening i can't see that plot line you know it's just a different world that's because the goddamn conservatives have shut down all the abortion cases. i'm not arguing this i think this <laughs> takes place in canada though so there is it that. takes oh does it really take place i don't know it's 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 not specifically set, but it feels kind of Canadian. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but that leads to the delivery room scene where we see her uh, give birth to a, I would say about an eight pound wiggling maggot, right? <laughs> Comes out of her. And the, the, the Cronenberg has a cameo as the obstetrician. <laughs> it, it's it's a dream sequence, it but it's gone, an effective dream sequence. Yeah, that part might have gone a little too silly for me. Oh, I like that part. And I, to me, that's when it pushes in in the nightmare territory. The movie's genuinely suspenseful the whole time. Um, I think the, you need to goose it at a certain point. I think that that does it. Fair. There's there's little moments where I'm just going, ah, I don't know. It's But that being said, I don't like seeing the insides of things. So Well, you don't see the inside of her. Well, the part of the thing used to be inside of her. It's like inside adjacent. Yeah, look at any human being. That used to be inside somebody else. Uh, so talk about uh, uh, Statham or whatever the hell his name Stathis. is. Stathis. 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 Our buddy Stathis, played by John Getz. He, um, you know, he is he is a weasel. And, and you know, and however we want to stay taking a shower in your ex-girlfriend's apartment, that goes beyond several He refused to give creepy. her a key, too. First to give her a key back. He also uh, sort of pushes... He sort of leads to everything because Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum, they have their lovely romantic night, and she gets a package, and it's it's the cover of the next issue of Particle Magazine. With I, I think you need to set this up a little better. Okay. Uh, uh, well, she was going to write an article about for it. For Particle Magazine. For Particle Magazine. He says, I don't want this to go out yet. Why don't you follow me through all my progress and write a book? Jeff Goldblum is terrified that his research is going to be released before he's ready. Exactly, because he hasn't perfected it yet. Yeah, it doesn't quite work yet. And she, I think she makes a line. She's like, "Do you have any idea?" Like, because he's like, "I can't teleport humans or no, pure, anything organic. living." Yeah. yeah, and she's like, "Do you have any idea how much money you're about to make just by being able to transport a cookie or yeah, whatever?" Anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's just like, "No, how about I'll let you write a book? You can write the whole book about all this. You'll you'll make a billion dollars too. We'll do it together, but don't publish this yet." Right, and she agrees. She agrees. Her boss, though. I actually kind of side with him on this. Well, you, you don't get to say journalist. You kind of do, but I mean, for the movie, you, you know. Yeah. But, but yeah, he I, he wants her to do it. She says no. She she and she basically says like, ah, eh, it's not a story. Whatever. Yeah, blah, she blah, lies blah, blah, about it. Yeah. He's, he's smart enough to see through that, so he starts right. to do his own research. He does his own research. So after the romantic evening, he she gets an envelope delivered, and it's a mock up of the issue of Particle that's all about Brundle. And yeah. clearly it's going, he, you know, and he's like, we're going to go with this story. And she's like pissed. So she goes, she says, I have to go take care of something. She it, doesn't tell him what. The package shows up at their house. At, he, she opens it, it. His lab. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's what I meant. I'm sorry. In, in his dungeon. And yeah, she, <laughs> she opens it up and she's like, I'm leaving right now. And he, Jeff Goldblum assumes 
ex-boyfriend. Yeah, he's jealousy. very yeah. Je- it's a, it's ex-boyfriend. He's going back. And he like he does the classic Jeff Goldblum monologue, like, oh, she's gonna go down. Oh, it's her ex-boyfriend. Oh, but oh, but oh, and he works himself into a frenzy. That's when in, he, in the same way. It, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It, it does mirror um um John John or whatever this. Why can't I think of this? Stathis? It does mirror Stathis' kind of meltdown. There's a scene a little bit earlier where she's she's buying a jacket, a leather for jacket for him because he, you find out that he wears the same clothes every day, yeah. different clean versions. It's very Steve Jobby. It's, it's Mark Zuckerberg, whatever yeah. weirdos wearing the same clothes every day, so they don't have to think about anything, right? Yeah, yeah because it takes so much time. Uh, so she's like, "I'm going to buy him a jacket. That'll be a nice, you know, girlfriend thing to do for my mm-hmm. boyfriend." And uh, Stathis catches her, walks in, and then has a meltdown yeah, in, in the store. And he blah, 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 blah. so this this Goldblum meltdown is kind of. An kind analog of. to it, I think. But he, but that's what forces him to like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teleport myself. I know what to do. Da 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 da. I think he says, "Fuck it!" Like yeah. I've lost the book. I've lost her. So I'm just gonna do what I want. And if who cares if I live or die, whatever. There's and that's a, when he makes the. And he's drunk a little bit. He's oh, he's yeah. definitely drunk. Hey, you're all right. Oh, look at you. I can tell you're okay. What are we waiting for? Let's do it. So he, he makes, yeah, he goes through, and that's when he gets the fly DNA, and that sort of starts the whole nightmare. It's funny, because Stathis, is, he seems so unimportant. He's just an amusing, weirdo jerk. Well, then he shows up at the end, and I, I don't know, he doesn't quite help save the day, but he's... He gets his leg melted off. His by, arm melted off, yeah, too, because, yeah, because at this point, Jeff Goldblum is fully fly. And, by, and, he, and I mean, he is an animatronic character at this point. Right. And he throws up on... On, on Stathis's his arm? arm and like wears it down to like a nubby of oh, bone and God, everything and on his leg and and then he wants Gina Davis to get in the he's like we'll become one like this is what we must do and you know and and uh, he puts her in the teleporter and he's all set to do it and Stathis shoots the cable right right with the because he brings a shotgun he shoots the cable he brings a shotgun that's helpful yeah and uh if and, you had to get a shotgun right now would you even know how to do it I think my father-in-law might have one. I I don't even know. I mean, we live in a town full of gun shops. I'm sure I could figure I'm it sure out. The local yokel would have, you know, military grade hardware. Has one. But exactly. it just occurred to me that like the editor of Particle Magazine just had a shotgun in Canon. It's in. <laughs> okay, buddy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but so, but um, so then the teleportation goes wrong, and he actually melds with an old teleporter. Like now the fly is like part metal and it's he's obviously dying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's almost a little foreshadowed too because when Jeff Goldblum lays on that chip and he yeah. gets a little metal in him, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, that's yeah, okay. Eh. And I think the movie because come back to the love story, I think it works because even when it is this clearly animatronic puppet, a very well done one, but it's obviously not Jeff Goldblum under makeup anymore, and he sort of pulls the shotgun up to his head so Gina Davis can put him out of his misery. You see its eyes, and it's a sad moment. It, I think it's, it's so, genuinely touching. That's, that, to me, is the craziest part, because I'm disgusted by the movie at this point. There's just blood and fly guts. It's disgusting. It's yeah. disgusting. And then this poor, stupid, bleeding fly it doesn't look at all human. Is like close. upset, and I felt compassion. Of I was course. Like, that's that's a good monster movie. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the best monster movies, you identify with the monster. That's King Kong, works. Frankenstein, any of those. You feel for the monster. That's, I mean, I think that reflects you. What? Because you're a monster. That's true. I'm a different kind of monster. <laughs> I'm the one nobody feels sorry for. That's right. <laughs> uh, any other points we want to hit on this? Uh, I think the big takeaways for me are really cool acting. Uh, like, well done. It's, it's, there's so few actors that every one of them matters, and they're all good. They're strong actors. Uh, I like the very closed set, very small movie kind of feel to it. Um, and I like, I, don't, I was going to say I like, but I think the horror works. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't like it, but I think it works. Oh, it definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it clearly works. It works on several levels. I mean, that's why I think this movie, you know, I saw it in the theater opening weekend. I've seen it several times since. I watched it again a couple weeks ago for this. Yeah. It drew me right in. And like like you said, it's tight. When the movie is over. It's over. There's no like little last epilogue scene. It's like boom and it's out. Yep. Uh, one interesting contrast. I was thinking about the movie It. It is the last horror movie I saw in theaters a year ago. So in summer, um, I'm not. A, I'm not a big horror guy. I like sci-fi a lot, but uh, and this is this is definitely a fusion of the two. It, fusion. Well, good, that's, good yeah. See what I did. Uh, uh-huh. 
it relies on the idea that this clown is going to come kill you and scare you and yada yada. The fly relies on this on you thinking about how you would feel if exactly. you were turning into a fly. It's it's way more internalized in a way that made me very aware of poor Jeff. Like I felt sympathy. I felt where in most most. I mean, I don't know, like Happy yeah. Death Day or whatever yeah. idiot horror movies out there right now. You don't feel the best anything. horror puts you in it. Like right. what would happen to you? Like I know on the previous incarnation we did Rosemary's Baby, and yeah. you're not thinking like, what if the devil came after me? You're thinking, what, what if this was my wife? Right. What if this was my baby? Me? What if this was my baby? Um, I think that kind of works for um, oh, not us, the other one. I'm sorry. Get out. Get out. I think it kind of works there too. Although Get Out is more fun. Yeah, Get Out's more of a satire. Yeah, it's it's like silly and yeah. it's yeah, I don't it's know silly, but it's more it has a more satirical point. It's to definitely me. silly, man. When she when they go in the basement and you're watching the old wooden console TV and he's like explaining yeah. what we're gonna. Do. It's, Get Out's a good movie. It made though. me smile. Us is I mean Us again is another one that has it. You have to sort of buy a lot. Like you have to make a lot of steps. Like okay, I'll accept that this could happen. I'll accept, but when it works. Wow, does sure. it work? You, and you said you liked it better than Get Out. I might have. I don't. Maybe because I saw it more recently. Yeah. But, but it takes like a big swing, and I thought it it worked. And when it's scary, any final thoughts on The Fly? Um, this is. I will say because we've talked about Cronenberg, this definitely fits in with his. One of the strange things about Cronenberg's movies, from his first big horror movie, Shivers, to Videodrome, to The Brood, to Scanners, to this is. As much as you are horrified by what's happening in Jeff Goldblum, I tend to think Cronenberg kind of sides with almost the disease in his movies. Like okay. his because at the last scene of Videodrome, and this doesn't give anything away, is James Wood saying, Long live the new flesh. And Cronenberg is all about like sort of you know, he's kind of rooting for the monster. He almost sees it like progress. Yes, yeah, like evolution. Yeah. yeah. And that's how Jeff Goldblum for a long time he's like Brundlefly is the next step. There's there's a sequel to this movie starring Eric Stoltz, which is, it's just a very basic sort of horror movie. Cronenberg didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, it's entertaining, but it's nothing like this. However, there's one great line when when Eric Stoltz, who I believe plays the son of Jeff Goldblum, okay. says- um, the, Does he play like, wait a minute, wait, does, like Gina Davis's place, kid? I think so. It's I haven't seen it in okay. like decades. Fair. but. But there's one line I always remember where his girlfriend or whoever says, like, he's turning in the fly and she's like, look at you, you're getting worse. And he just says, I'm getting better. <laughs> sure. And I like, that's a good line. That's yeah. a good monster movie line. Like, he doesn't see it as getting yeah, worse. Yeah, Cronenberg would be proud. He would. Yeah. All right. That works for me, too. Uh, uh, maybe the only other note I wanted to make was I think it's damn impressive watching Jeff do his gymnastics routine on all the... I think it's damn impressive watching Jeff stuntman do his gymnastics nah, I don't think routine. so. I'm sure that was Jeff. I would be willing to bet. All my money. That it not, it, <laughs> I would not. Remember, but, though, he had that kid in the Jurassic Park sequel who did that ridiculous gymnastics routine. Yeah. But anyway, we love Jeff Goldblum on this podcast. We love Jeff Goldblum's uh, gymnastics ability. <laughs> uh, it's fun It's fun watching him break that guy's arm, too. That is fun. Now, what do you think of that? Because to me, that's one of the more hard-to-watch scenes just because it's so human. It I looked, mean, like, I thought it looked so cartoony. And really? There's, there's, like, no blood. I have to watch. It I, I, I mean, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but his when his arm snaps, it's just like a white bone sticking out, and it just kind of looked maybe. like a prop to me. Uh-huh. I was like, ah, I don't care. It's it's the the goo, the the, the, the blood. To me, the, the, the sound, fing- the fingernail. Yeah, the sound of it. The like crinkly. Hey, that's just, that's good sound design, my Gross. friend. I know. So, uh, what are we gonna watch next week? Well, let's see. We did the Jaws. We did Jaws. Shark. We did Fly. <laughs> insect. What if we did another type of animal for Spooky October? I feel like Spooky October never ends. And if, well, if in my perfect world, it would never end. It'll go right into Spooky November and December. But are anyway, we, are we going to watch Sharknado? No, we've done Shark. We've done oh, Insect. Right. What if we did Bird? Uh, Birdman. No. I don't know. Then. I, don't, it's your, I don't know. I think, don't know these movies. Think plural. Birds. The... <laughs> Oh, oh, sure, sure. The Hitchcock movie. Hitchcock movie. Hitchcock's, I want to say, 1963. Maybe his own, well, I mean, Psycho, obviously, but this is sort of his monster movie or his disaster movie, oh, okay. you could say. I've, so I got to say, I've seen The Birds before, but it was, I mean, like half a lifetime ago, right? Like I saw it like 20 years ago. I don't remember much of it, um, but I, in my head, I kind of think of it the same way I think of um, Contagion almost. 
Like it's a sort of a thing happens and you watch it from all these people's perspectives. Is that right? Well, it's a lot tighter though. I mean, it all takes place in one small Northern California town. Okay. Okay. Sure. Well, that's, that's fine. Yeah. That works for me. Um, so we'll try to release the birds, uh, the week after this podcast, we've, we've kept with our weekly promise we have. so far, barely because of my mistake, but, uh, so what we need from the audience then in exchange are iTunes reviews. Yes, please. We have, we're up to 15 now, which is pretty solid because we had one three weeks ago. So if you could keep that up, I'll read one more. Um, this one I actually thought was really, uh, kind. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I'll take kind. I really enjoy this podcast, maybe because I lived in central Illinois for a few years and can relate to having a lack of movie theaters. Smiley face. Anyway, the show is great. The two hosts are both likable, which I never hear. So that's very You never hear that in life Ever. or on iTunes. Not trying to act hip or pander to anyone. Will is very knowledgeable and has a great website. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks, mom. I don't. Is this your mom? No, I don't think this so. Is, no, this is Stan046. Uh, 0426. I'd love a segment where he recommends obscure films as I found a few interesting titles from his site. Listen to the show. Excellent. We that is perfect. We love it. Thank perfect you Perfect five-star review. If you could go to iTunes and do the same, I will post the link to Twitter. It's easy enough to find us there. And it helps people find the show. It helps iTunes realize that we're legitimate, which gives us recommendations to other people, which leads to more podcasts, which, you know, helps out this whole process. And we also, besides iTunes, would like to encourage you to follow us on Twitter. And Instagram. And Instagram. We've been trying to pump up the content. Uh, you can see uh, we've actually got a lot of new fans because of Will taking pictures of weird stuff that I've never heard That's of. That's right. And once we, we originally were cheekily going to just follow Jeff Goldblum, but we decided no. It also turned out that was a fake Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, so, so, it, yeah. so you know, we apologize. You can find uh, both of those accounts are at Out of Theaters, uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Out of Theaters. You can find Will. At Will Piper, mm-hmm. and you could find me at Billy Culpa. Simple, elegant, just like us. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. All right, so a couple weeks from now, we'll be watching the birds. The birds. Until next time, we'll miss you all. Most of all.